Welcome to This Week in California Education, brought to you by EdSource Radio. I'm John Fensterwald, Editor-at-Large. And I'm Sarah Tan, producer of This Week in California Education. Well, Executive Director Louis Friedberg is off this week, so that leaves us, Sarah, and our faithful listeners to close out 2017. Later in the program, David Plank of Policy Analysis for California Education will join us to look ahead. But first, let's take a few moments to look in the rearview mirror. And what a year it has been. The biggest thing that most people will remember about this year is that it is the year that President Trump took office. Most notably, we had the appointment of Education Secretary Betsy DeVos. She is the most pro-choice, pro-voucher Secretary of Education in recent memory. She has become a lightning rod in many ways. Until the passage of the GOP tax bill just last week, a lot of the pro-choice agenda, pro-charter school and pro-voucher agenda that the president talked about during his campaign and that Betsy DeVos talked about during her nomination and has talked about since. It really didn't go very far because the Senate, led by Senator Lamar Alexander of Tennessee and Patty Murray, a Democrat from Washington, those are the two ranking members of the Committee of Health, Education, Labor, and Pensions. They really have pretty much protected the budgets that are. And so it really it didn't gain much traction. It was what one professor called benign neglect. But then came along this tax bill and it has it really has changed things. There are tax advantages for up to ten thousand dollars and called five twenty nine plans that that it will benefit primarily the wealthy who will put that money towards private schools. And that will be at the expense of revenue for district schools. And then it is a $10,000 deduction limitation for state local property taxes. And that's really going to affect California. And it might make taxes harder to raise. How about in the K-12 realm? 2017 marked the debut of the California School Dashboard, which we talked a great deal about. That's the website that gives, you know, multicolored ratings and number of indicators of performance and school climate, and it's part of the new state accountability system. And so we followed its development, and now we're in the next stage where those schools and districts that are orange and red, the lowest two colors on the dashboard, will be getting either county assistance or soon they will have to develop it themselves, figure out how to improve their schools. And we're going to follow that into 2018 because it's a big test of this new system and it's based on local control. The other thing we followed was the development of the state plan for the Every Student Succeeds Act, which is in part how California is going to identify and then help improve the 5% lowest performing schools. It's about 300, and that really is a separate part, separate from this dashboard per se. It's a different federal system, and it will be slightly different. This year, we also closely covered the Cal State system as it looked to revamp the way they did remedial courses. And we also looked at the growing problem of homeless students. It's a huge and growing problem in California, particularly as the price of housing increases on the coast in certain areas. A lot of people are, families are moving out, they're splitting up. And when the issue of remedial education, that's really important. That's going to be a big issue as we try and increase the graduation rate at, at CSU and colleges and figure out now how much help do they need and CSU is going to eliminate remedial courses. The help for students who are behind will be taken care of in the courses themselves that they take for credit. And that's created a lot of 
a bit of controversy among the faculty members who have to redesign courses and deal with a range then of students. So that's something we will follow. Well, John, I know this time of year is the time of year when a lot of people are also looking forward to next year and issues that will be coming up. And I know that you are working on a column right now about upcoming education issues. Yes, I am. It's an annual column that I hope that a year after that, few people will remember what I predicted, let alone put money on them. That column in my mea culpas for 2017 will come out next week. This year, though, I thought we'd turn to someone who really knows California education. So after we take a quick break, when we come back, we'll be talking to David Plank. Welcome back. We're here in the studio with David Plank. David is executive director of PACE, Policy Analysis for California Education. That's an independent, nonpartisan policy research organization that's affiliated with Stanford, USC, and UC Davis. Welcome, David. Thanks for joining us. Great to be here, John. So let's start off. What's on your mind as we head to 2018? What are you going to be most paying attention to? Well, clearly, I think all of us are going to be paying most attention to elections in 2018. 2018 is a political year. We have an election for governor, for superintendent of public instruction, and for all the members of California's congressional delegation. And I think that the issues that arise in those campaigns are clearly going to be on everyone's mind in 2018, including mine. So let's then back up a minute because we, we've just passed a major tax cut. So how do you think that will affect our elections? What's going on in Washington? Well, I think that is really the bad news for California's education system in 2018. And, and particularly the repeal of the individual mandate, which people have estimated will kick 13 million Americans off their Health insurance, uh, since California is 20% of the U.S. population, that's something on the order of 2 to 3 million Californians. And that is clearly going to squeeze the state budget in ways that we can only begin to imagine here at the end of 2017. Uh, so I think that that is going to exacerbate all of the fiscal issues that we face in the education system and make them much more difficult to address. So... Are you talking then that would affect somehow education funding under Prop 98, or is it more indirect? It's more indirect. It's, it's that the budget now will uh, have to accommodate in some way uh, people who are losing federal support for their health care, and we as Californians will have to make up the difference at least to some extent. And that, that doesn't, in the first instance, affect Prop 98, uh, but it certainly affects the universities, uh, and it affects any new initiatives that we might like to introduce into the education system because they'll simply become much more difficult. And because we no longer have the tax deductions beyond $10,000 for state and property taxes, how might that affect the ability to raise revenue in the future or how we look at potentially raising additional money for education? It's hard to predict with any certainty how that's going to affect us, but we know that 20% of Californians pay about 80% of the tax bill. 
And those 20% are going to be affected, substantially affected, by the tax changes that Congress has just approved, both on the home mortgage side and because of the loss of the state and local tax deduction. I think the assumption may have been up in the past, including we just raised a tax on the most wealthy earners in California, that somehow we could maybe raise taxes again on the rich and make up for some of this revenue. And is that going to be harder to do now, David? I think it's going to be much harder to do. Even the tax increase that we imposed a year or so ago bought services for people in California. It actually was dedicated to largely to the education system. And so paying more tax led to uh, an improved fiscal situation for California's education system. This loss of the state and local tax deduction brings no benefits to California. It's simply a cost to Californians, but it hits the bottom line for a lot of our fellow citizens and particularly for very wealthy citizens who may decide that the burden is becoming excessive. David, I know one of the issues that you've been watching is the local control funding formula and how, under the new system, assistance will be provided by the counties and also how local control will work under the funding formula. What, what, what do you see happening over the next year, an inaugural year of, of sort of addressing some of the issues that have been raised by the dashboard, the new website that looks and sort of rates schools, how they're doing? There's a lot happening now, isn't there? There's a lot happening. And I think for 2018, the big issue is whether we as a state can organize an effective system of support for school districts that are not able to drive or sustain improvement on their own. Uh, With the first look at the dashboard, the state has identified, I believe, 220-some districts for, uh, for support. That's a lot. That's, that's a real lot. That's, that's a quarter of all California school districts. And how support is going to be provided to them, who is going to do that, is really, I think, the most urgent question facing the state. Because we have this new accountability system, which relies on local actors to continuously improve the performance of their schools and students. But we know that they're doing that will rely to a very substantial extent on their ability to mobilize support from outside. And the capacity to provide that support and the sort of organizational problem of who does what, who's responsible for what, how do different agencies work together, those are problems that haven't been solved yet. And we're going to, it's going to take a lot in the coming year to get us to a point where we can credibly claim that we have a system in place that will lead to improvement over time. Yeah, and even beyond that, we have hundreds of districts that are did poorly and are reflected in the colors red or orange on the dashboard that need to address it themselves, separate from county help, and they need assistance too or because it, you know they haven't figured it out up till now. Right. I think you could characterize the first moves that the state has made as triage that they have identified the, the most urgent cases for immediate uh, access to support. But it's clear that over time, first of all, there are many districts, as you say, that also need support that will probably not be able to launch a, a cycle of continuous improvement on their own um, and will not 
in the first year at least, receive that kind of support. And we also know that, that basically all California school districts can get better, that we don't do a great job in any of our school districts in educating our kids. And over time, we need to build a system that can provide intensive support for the neediest districts, but meaningful support for all California school districts. So I'm assuming we're talking about 2018, but everything doesn't work within a calendar year. I'm assuming this is something that's going to take a lot longer than next year. It's going to take a lot longer. And I think we talked at the beginning about the fact that this is a political year. I think that the big challenge for the candidates and for those of us working in the education system is how to defend and move forward uh, the new system that we've introduced over the past five years. So you participated in the forum that we had in EdSource, sort of if you had one suggestion to change the funding formula, what would it be? And that was sort of to set the stage, perhaps, that the governor might read the piece and even discuss perhaps changes from the formula before he leaves. What do you think? Is there anything going to happen this year? Honestly, I don't think very much. I think the the fiscal circumstances in which we find ourselves, the political uncertainties that face us, the rolling out of the tax plan and the abolition of the individual mandate, I think create a set of circumstances where any kind of policy initiative from the current administration is, is relatively unlikely. And I think that holding the line on the changes that we've made is going to take all of the political energy this year. One thing that will change, probably, will be the dynamics of the CTA, the California Teachers Association. If, as many predict, the Supreme Court says teachers no longer have to pay mandatory fees to the union to represent them, and that could affect the California Teachers Association's ability to campaign and be a power in in Sacramento. What do you think, David? In the short run, they will certainly remain a of power in Sacramento. That's that's really not in question. Uh, I think in the longer term, it really does represent an existential threat to the CTA and to, to unions more generally. There have been estimates that CTA could lose as many as 40% of their members. And what that means is that unions are really going to have to rethink the bargain that they make with their members and constituents and reassure their members that the services that they provide are worth the, the money. They can no longer take that for granted. They, they simply have to organize more aggressively and work more closely with their members to make sure that they are providing services that members think are worth the money. Now, we just focused on CTA, but this decision by the U.S. Supreme Court would affect you know, all public uh, exactly. employee unions, not just that. So, David, one last issue, and Again, it doesn't go through a calendar year, which is a teacher shortage. Do you see any easing? Do you see any positive developments on the horizon? Short answer is no. I think that addressing what we call the teacher shortage, it's not a shortage of teachers. It's a shortage in some specific fields, which also include dual language teachers or bilingual teachers. And it's a shortage of high-quality teachers. right? And so it's, it's not enough to say you know, let's put some programs in place that will get us more teachers, because what we really need are more math teachers or more teachers for kids with particular disabilities or teachers who speak Spanish. And addressing that is a much more complicated and much more nuanced problem than, geez, 
you know, there aren't enough teachers anymore. There, there are plenty of teachers. What we lack are teachers in specific fields and teachers with specific competencies. And more than that, teachers who are really good with kids. Well, David, listen, thanks for sharing your thoughts, and they will help shape my own thinking as uh, I write my predictions column in a few days. Thank you very much, John. You know, as we head into the new year, we want to thank you, our listeners, for joining us during this, our first year of EdSource Radio. We've enjoyed it immensely and learned plenty about putting on a weekly show. So we invite you to join us again next week as we continue to explore the complex, difficult, and exciting issues and opportunities facing education in California so that all of our children can thrive in this wonderful state we have chosen to call home. I'm John Fensterwald here with producer Sarah Tan. Thanks to the SD Bechtel Jr. Foundation for their continued support of this podcast. Have a happy new year and see you next week and weeks to come.